So anyway, it's an honor to be here with you today, and uh, you know, this is such a privilege. Um, we're excited. We've been looking forward to this. There's, you know, we're, we're just so glad that there's a lot of places we could be, but we're with you today, and we have a great expectation that God has something specific for each and every one of you in God's plan and his purpose, kingdom purpose. And, uh, you know, um, we too value family time. And um, so it's so good to see Hayden and, and Hunter, Lindsay, and, uh, you know, just to be with Buddy and Sandra, you guys, and the partnership that you guys have with us. And, um, you know, we're thankful for this. We're together, we're getting to see some cool things happen. We're going to talk a little bit more about it, but, uh, you know, the, the children's home uh, in Kathmandu, Larry and, and um, Melanie, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I am sorry. Um, but it's, it's just so good to, you know, to, to walk together, to, you know, there's, every, there's unique parts of the body of Christ, and we all do things, uh, different things. We all have different callings. And, uh, but as we work together, we're able to do much more. And uh, so we're kind of your hands extended. I know you, you support other ministries and stuff, but there's a specific uh, focus that we have that represents the heart of God that you're connected to. So we're glad that we can communicate some things to you just to say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what God's doing in the kingdom of, in the world today. And uh, so... Praise God, man. We were just all together, my, I know, uh, my oldest sister, Liddell and Trina, you guys know Trina, and, um, and then our sister Patsy was, is, was in Australia, she came in by Zoom, and then Steve and I, and we, we spent more time together in this last few weeks, probably than when we have lived together, yeah. <laughs> you know, as kids growing up. And uh, so, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember these personalities. You know, it's like these sibling, uh, you know, unique. Yeah, I, w I was seven years behind. And, you know, um, my older siblings, they're quite talented, like Pastor Steve, you know, very, very musical. And uh, so they won a teen talent contest, a national with the Assemblies of God. I mean, they won the whole thing, got the trophy. And uh, so, I mean, it, and they, did, they do such a good job musically. And then there was Scotty, because I was about seven years behind them. And so they were known as the Beermans, and then I was Scotty. So, <laughs> so I was just too little. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't sing with them, you know, being as little as I was, you know. But uh, so I got used to that, you know, it's like, you know, go to Raymond and Patsy's teaching, you know, she's, and uh, then there's, who are you? Yeah, you're Scotty. You're, you're related to Pat. I didn't know there was a little brother like that. So, um, but uh, they, they let me to, they let me sing with them every now and then. And uh, we got to sing around uh, together in the family. You know how, how there's such a passion to worship the Lord. I just like that that's not put on. You know, um, here we were, and my mom was ready to just cross over into to glory, into heaven. And uh, there was music. And it was something that's just, I think, is just to, so close to the heart of God when we lift up our, our voice and we praise God and we worship. And, um, boy, that's, that's really what ushered mom into heaven was just praise and worship. And uh, so... I'm thankful that it's not a put-on. You know, if you're here and you think, man, boy, Steve, Pastor Steve and Kim sure like to sing. I just wonder if they like to sing. Well, no, it's, it's more than that. It's really, they're touching the heart of God. It's very much who they are. And I'm, I'm thankful for the heritage yeah. that mom and dad put into us. And, uh, and uh, so as we have a, some time with you today, um, we just uh, want to give honor to what God's doing here. And I uh, really believe that God's got a great plan for you. We want to say thank you. You know, last year in Nepal, uh, COVID, you know, has really shut down that country. 
But you know, we were able to plant some things, plant some seeds and get some things established there. And um, there's some uh, people set in place that are doing uh, discipleship, mentoring. And, you know, last year they planted 33 churches uh, among unreached people groups. So praise God for that. And you know what? You have a hand in that. You're supporting um, you know, things that enabled us to go over there and do that. And so, you know, we, we share in that. You couldn't do it if there wasn't a church that was going to send you to do it. And uh, now we don't even have to go. It's going. I mean, we're going to continue to go, and um, uh, we're still going to help in, in a mobilization capacity because we want them to do it. You know, we don't have to be the one who does it all the time. And... Uh, so, um, but uh, it's multiplying, and um, thank you for being a missions-minded church. Thank you for being a great commission church. Um, C.T. Studd said, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home, and I like that. A lot of people have said that. Like, well, that was C.T. Studd. I thought somebody else said that. Well, <clears throat> I found out who said it first. <laughs> I say it. Somebody might say, well, Scott says that all the time, but, but uh, I like that. The light that shines the farthest Shines the brightest at home. That means that, you know what? We need to be thinking about lost people wherever they may be. Amen. And the heart of God is a missionary. Jesus sent his own, or God sent his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He came into the world as someone who came from the heart of the Father to a lost and dying world. And uh, so that's the, if, if you got Jesus, you've got missions. And Steve talked about how that was in the heart of my dad, our dad. And, uh, you know, the thing is, I don't think it's, you know, exclusive to, you know, to, to one particular group or family or church or, but if you have Jesus, you're missions. You have the heart of missions in you. Amen. You want to see, and I love diversity. Don't you love diversity? I love, I love looking at creation and how there's so many different people groups, 17,000 unique people groups in the world today, people that look different. They're big, they're small, they're, they've got different looks, different colors, skin. Everybody is precious in the sight of God. Amen? Amen. Red and yellow, black and white, they are all, all precious in his sight. Amen? Jesus loves all the children of the world. Amen. And he loves you and he loves me. And so, um, Sue is so, it's such a blessing. And I have to say that Sue served uh, mom with such love and honor as Kim has too. She came up and, you know, we do honor our, our in-laws or, or my, my uh, they honor our in-laws. We honor our wives because they have, served our family and loved our parents so much and mom and so thank you for doing that and excuse us it's still kind of fresh but mom just you know she just passed away and it's still kind of sinking in and it hasn't kind of fully hit I don't think I think you know when we get back and she's not there that's gonna uh, be a little further revelation well she's on in heaven but um but I do thank you guys. You're, you're like, you stepped in there uh, and excelled in uh, serving our, our mom in her last days. And so we're, we're so thankful for you. And uh, Praise God. Um, I just think about the family of God, our families. And I'm so blessed to have wonderful biological parents, my parents, and then my in-laws, um, made me always feel like one of their own and um, are amazing, amazing people and examples on this side of heaven. And, uh, but we are all a part of an amazing family, the family of God. Yeah. Yeah. And I was um, getting food uh, for us during these last couple weeks down in this down in our town, there's a little place that you can buy uh, food that's ready to just pop in the oven. And I went in, and I kind of know the owner just a little bit, not really well, and she knows I get food for mom and dad periodically and would bring it up to the house for them. 
And so she asked me how mom was doing, and I told her she had just gone into hospital just, care just. And, um, and is at home and that we were caring for her. And she came across the counter and hugged me, and I thought, I don't even really know her, but we're part of the family of God together. And I just, it, it, we have that bond, even though I didn't know her personally, like really well, we have this bond in Christ of the family of God. Yeah. And I think we all long for that belonging, and it's in us. And so I want you to know today that you are greatly loved by the Father, and that we as siblings in Christ learn to love and value one another. Uh, that brings great joy to our Father. And so um, I was thinking about Mom's life and that she had a great life, a long life, and was such a blessing to so many people because her heart and her goal was to glorify her king and to love people, to show his love to people. And so we talk about the plan of God for our lives, and we seek the Lord for his plan for our life. And I think sometimes we can think it's this big, grandiose thing out here that sometimes we feel like we never can attain to, when it's really the simplicity of showing his love yeah. and of learning and growing in his love. And so that is the biggest thing. You, I've been on this love journey for lots of years now. In the beginning, as I received his love, I didn't really know that I needed to pursue his love until really just not too many years ago. And the, isn't the Holy Spirit a wonderful teacher? So he inspired me as Scott and I pastored a church in Wisconsin for 17 years uh, to start praying um, that, Lord, help me to see people as you see them, as precious and valuable. I want to have your heart. And, and then I came across 1 Corinthians 14.1, uh, and you know how the Holy Spirit will just highlight the word, his word to you, and make it rhema to you. And he highlighted that scripture. So, you know, you could have read over it like, hundred times and that hundred and first time all of a sudden it goes in your face yeah. <laughs> and it was first Corinthians 14 1 and it says above all else pursue love yeah. and the Holy Spirit said if you don't pursue it you're not going to grow in it and so the Lord just started stirring all these things in my heart so he is love Right, So we pursue him, but he has a target for his love. And that target is people, is mankind. Yeah. And so if we are pursuing him who is love, also in that pursuit will be people yeah. to, to love, to pray for, to value as he values. Amen. Amen. And so that simply is our life pursuit here on the earth as his children and as his followers. And that's huge. Yeah. It's huge to be able to touch somebody's life with the love of Christ. Amen. There's opportunities every day and everywhere we are. And so, as Scott said, we are your hands and feet on the other side of the world. God said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so, we can't do that without you guys and so it's so wonderful how the body of Christ comes together to empower us to do the work of God here, there, and everywhere, and that we all have a part in that. And so, um, as Scott said, we have the uh, privilege and the honor to meet people from all over the world with all different looks and cultures, and we love that. And... Uh, and so I, when I envision heaven and all those different people groups around the throne of God worshiping him, um, I just think what a privilege to have met a lot of these people on this, this side of heaven. But then to be there and that you all will have some of those people that we've been able to touch come up to you and say thank you 
for having a part. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. Thank you for sending people to share Jesus with me. That, that's why I'm here. And then to have the Lord say, well done. We all have a part to play in his mission. You know, as I was reflecting on mom's life, I think, you know, it's not, it, it, we're, we, we're sad in that we're not going to see her right now on this side of heaven. But the Bible says our life here is but a vapor. So in the scope of eternity, the time that we are away from our loved ones that go on before us will be short. And we have purpose while we're here. And that kind of helps us to, to keep um, our priorities straight. This life is not our, this place is not our home. And we have a purpose from God while we're here on the earth. And that is to show his love and bring others into his kingdom. Amen? So Scott and I like to say this. We like to say, we just keep it simple. Keep the big picture in mind. It's about the king and advancing his kingdom on this earth. Amen? And so what an honor to partner with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with you guys, and uh, to get the work of the Father done to show him uh, to this dying and needy world, right? I mean, everywhere before us. And so we love you guys. We thank you for praying. Um, how many of you is it your first time to see Scott and I? So you get to see us and connect a face. Um, we really, really, really covet your prayers if the Holy Spirit wakes you up in the middle of the night. We might be somewhere that's a little dangerous, and we really appreciate your prayers. God always sees us through, but we have so many testimonies of how God has made the way for us and what the enemy means for evil. He's turned around and made good come out of. Um, and so we need your prayers as we go into these places. And Scott will share a little bit more mm. of, of specifics of what we're doing. Praise God. Amen. So, um, you know, when dad, dad was pastoring, Steve mentioned this. He um, always had a heart to go on missions trips and um, went to Nepal back in 76, and that was a backward time to be in Nepal. Hindu kingdom, it was dark. If you've ever been around Hinduism, it's a dark, oppressive uh, philosophy, religion. It's, de it's demonic, um, very oppressive. It's about caste systems where people are born into a caste system. You know, there's no hope of getting out of that. So if you're in a low caste system, you're not going to get educated out of that. You know, you can't get help. No, they don't believe in helping somebody in a low caste because it's by uh, a sovereign plan that they were born into that caste system. They have to live out their life there. And then, you know, if they're good, then they can get up into the caste system in the next life. And so um, when Christianity comes and it brings everybody, it lifts people. It lifts people in equality. And uh, um, everyone is redeemed. Everybody is loved and everybody's a, a welcome member of the family of God. That flies in the face of Hinduism. And so anyway, dad went into this, this area and he began to meet pioneers and, and Nepalis that were the first ones to bring Christianity into this nation. And um, so he he come back with stories and and hats, you know, these funny Nepali hats and little drums and little, you know, things, you know, he brought me a vest that was made out of goat's hair. I'm looking at all this and I'm like, wow, this is cool. And pictures and I look at these pictures and man, it, it looks scary. You know, I said, this is weird. You know, this Hindu priests and, um, you know, just different things, bodies being burned and the, you know, and the and push a potty right on the river. They'd burn them and then push the, the ashes into the river. And then they're taking baths right in that place. And, you know, and I'm just fascinated in all this. And I'm like, man, that's wild. And then, you know, while I was growing up, um, you know, I, I didn't really want to have much to do with missions. I wanted to play football. <laughs> and I want to go to college. You know, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, just stuff that I... My brother got this cool Jeep. I thought, man, I'd like to get me a Jeep. 
you know, and, and uh, so, you know, I, I'm just, you know, kind of just very self-centered. And I, you know, I pray prayers like, Lord, if you, you get me out of this, I'll do anything you want. Just don't send me to Africa. Has anybody ever prayed a prayer like that? And uh, so, you know, I, man, I had that. And then after, after high school, you know, I, uh, it just turned out by a bunch of, you know, things, kind of doors closing in some areas. And, you know, and I'm, I'm not able to go to college uh, where I was wanting to go. I just didn't want to go. It was like the desire just went, just went. And um, uh, I had an opportunity to go to Africa. And I thought back to those prayers, Lord, I'll do anything. <laughs> just don't send me to Africa. And now we had a chance to go to the Congo, Zaire, and Steve and Greg Fritz were already there. And then Mark and Trina were going over, and I could go with them, meet up with them. And, you know, instead of fear, I had an excitement. Something had changed in me. And I believe, you know, all those seeds that were sown in my heart just from being around dad, being in a missions-minded church, hearing the gospel, hearing the Great Commission, that there's, those seeds began to be, you know, started to spring up. Roots started to go down when I wasn't watching, but now I could see there was something coming up, and I, it was a desire to go. And, you know, that ended up being a very pivotal time in my life where, you know, I, I instead wanted to do my own thing. I came back and went to Bible school. I wanted to live for Jesus. I wanted to live my life for a kingdom purpose. So missions for me has been a very big deal. It's something that uh, has, has been very important in every decision that we've made. And uh, as Sue and I, you know, we've lived overseas and, you know, we've had our kids overseas and um, pastoring. We've always been kind of involved with missions. And now... And now um, you know, Dad had started a ministry uh, after he had retired from pastoring, and he started going all over the place and had all these relationships. How many of you know that the kingdom of God is built on relationships? Uh, it's not just, it's not a denomination, it's relationships. And um, so he had all these relationships, and uh, we just felt like there was timing that we needed to transition from pastoring and come and take what he had. He put a lot into this, invested. Both he and mom just invested so much into other countries and relationships. And what are we going to do with this? And we felt like we, we need to steward what God has done in dad's life. And, and um, so we transitioned. It wasn't an easy decision. It took some time. But we made this decision to... Uh, to step away from pastoring, come and, and uh, land on that platform that dad and mom had created with their relationships. And so um, we did that by faith because, you know, when you're 50, um, it's not as easy to make big changes as when you're like 22 years old. I mean, uh, you know, you can just do whatever. But when you're 50, you're like, oh, this is, this is a big deal. And uh, so we went and, you know, didn't have partners or anything, but, you know, God was faithful and we started going on trips. We, we connected with people, relationships that we really trusted God. Lord, we know that there, we're going to connect with people that have something that we need. How can we take these relationships that we've had uh, given to us by dad and mom in these places like Nepal and, you know, different places in the Middle East and Africa and um, what, what are we supposed to do with them? And we met some people that were doing some strategic missions. And then strategic means this. All missions is good. Everything. Anytime you do any cross-cultural missions work, it's good. But then there's, there's something that we need to tap into that extends the kingdom of God where it's never gone before. And that's where strategy comes in. That's where you begin to connect with indigenous peoples and you begin to network and you become more strategic rather than just moving someplace, you look to connect with people who will multiply the effect of what can happen in a region, in an area. And um, so we connected with these, with these people and, you know, it gave traction to what we had, like in Nepal. 
we would do these conferences about unreached people groups. Have you ever heard of unreached people groups? And these people over in India or in, in uh, Nepal, they'd be like, wow, God has a plan for my life and I'm important in reaching this harvest. In fact, if I don't do my part, it's not going to get done. And they just grabbed a hold of that and ran. And things started happening. Churches started getting planted. People started sending missionaries, Nepali missionaries, into regions of the world, uh, of the Himalayas, um, that didn't have any believers. And they, the Nepalis were doing this. And, and they had a, a, a vision to plant churches. And um, we saw that this was bigger than us, than our human effort. You know, we can get a, a ministry and we can share with you what we're doing. But wouldn't you be more imp impressed with what God is doing? Yeah. Amen? Amen? And we just kind of hook up with what God is doing and we get, to, we, we get to just bring more glory to him. Amen? And so, um, we, since most of you guys don't know who we are, We'll just let this first part of this be an introduction to, to us, and um, we have some videos, and then I'm just going to bring you um, something you take with you to, to, to know that you have significance today, amen? Yeah. So let's bring up um, our ministry video. Um, if you've seen this before, it'll be good, right? Yeah. We're going to see it again, so... <laughs> Those, um, that was all from Nepal. And uh, so um, we get to work with a lot of different groups in Nepal. Um, we, we got these, these images um, from a trip. So it kind of is, is a little bit of a narrow perspective. Um, recently, we've been working with Iranians in Turkey. And um, we're seeing some wonderful things take place. And you guys have met Mohammed. And... Uh, um, salvations out on the streets, miracles, um, Muslims giving their heart to the Lord like this. 
Usually it takes Muslims a while, historically, in the past. You know, they need to, that word needs to get planted and the Holy Spirit works on them for a period of time. And before they make a decision, you know, it's a big deal. So they, it takes some time. But um, we're seeing them just coming to the Lord rapidly. Just as they hear the gospel, the soil has been prepared in their hearts and they're ready to receive. And um, so um, we're, do, we're just not locked into one country. We just want to really help any way we can. And uh, we just got connected with a, a, um, another ministry uh, that's connected with Rama. It's called DCPI, Dynamic Church Planting International. And churches, you know, churches are important. This church is important. Why? Because uh, in Matthew um, 28, 14, Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. The primary uh, tool that God uses for discipleship is the church. You, there's the, the, the ministry of a church, the, the pastor, and then the connection that you have together. The interaction around the word of God is vital for, your, for discipleship. So if you want to be a part of the Great Commission, be a part of church. Amen? Um, so um, churches are important. You just don't want to go into a country and just preach and get people saved without planting churches. And uh, so um, DCPI, man, the big vision, they have a vision of planting 5 million churches. And um, we're, Sue and I are, are on our path to be a master trainers. We wanted this uh, teaching to be a part of our tool bag where we can we could take this anywhere. And, and the methods um, can change, but principles will go anywhere. And that's, there's principles of church planting that go in every culture, go to every nation, every people group, and it's from the word. Amen? And so we want, we, one of the things that we want to see is a multiplication of churches. We want to see churches planted wherever we can. Amen. The United States, we need a whole lot more churches. We need churches. And we need to have a, a, a church planting uh, movement in the world today. Amen. Oh, they, they are already, they want five million. They just hit about a million right now. So worldwide. So, um. Uh, we're doing that. And then what I want to do also really briefly is really help impart a heart and the focus that we have for unreached people groups. So there's another video that I want to just share with you that kind of just kind of really helps describe kind of the focus that we have. What is a UPG? UPG stands for unreached people group. But to understand what that means, we need to first talk about people groups. When Jesus told his followers, go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek words he used were ta ethne, meaning all ethnic groups or people groups. So what is a people group? A people group is basically a group of individuals that have a common sense of history, language, beliefs, and identity. It is pretty much a group of people that considers us, us, and everyone else, them. While there are about 196 countries in the world today, there are over 16,000 distinct people groups. Let's look at Pakistan as an example. That is one nation going by our English word, but ethnically Pakistan has over 400 distinct nations or people groups within its borders. Around 7,000 of those 16,000 total people groups are considered UPGs or unreached people groups. A group is considered unreached if less than 2% of their population is evangelical Christian. That is, it has too few true believers to evangelize and disciple the rest of the people group. Almost 3 billion people fall into this category. Over 3,000 of those 7,000 unreached people groups are considered UUPGs, or unengaged unreached people groups. These people groups have no churches, no believers, no missionaries, and no one actively focused on engaging them. 95% of all unreached people groups are located in the part of the world between 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude, stretching from North Africa to Southeast Asia. We call this the 1040 window. It's in the 1040 window that most of the major non-Christian religions hold sway. Collectively, they are known as the Thumb people, tribal, Hindu, unreligious, including many Chinese, 
Muslim, and Buddhist. Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached as a testimony to Ta Ethne, all people groups, and then the end would come. Less than 3% of our total cross-cultural missionary force is working with unreached people groups. We must go to the unreached. At the same time, it's estimated that over 350 unreached people groups are living in the United States today as immigrants, refugees, and international students. We must welcome the unreached. Christ commands us to make disciples of all nations. Jesus is alive. His mission for us is clear, yet the task stands incomplete. Together, we can change that. So that kind of gives you an idea of, of what lies ahead of us as a church. Um, about three, is this okay? About um, 30 years ago, um, there was a, a book that came out and started charting this, this new uh, approach to missions. And that's targeting unreached people groups. And uh, begin to pray. You know, prayer is the initial work of missions, but it's also the ongoing work of missions. And so if, if you start to pray, then God can start to move. And um, from there, um, work started to be accelerated into these areas and mobilized. And so um, actually some of these numbers need to be updated. They've actually found that there's um, over 17,000 people groups in the world today. They said 16. It's, um, it's a kind of a, they discover new people groups all the time. And so, um, but one of the things that um, uh, you can see from, from uh, this of studying the people groups and how evangelism and the harvest is kind of spread and how it's growing is you kind of see that we're kind of on this timeline and where we are. Like if you're in a race there's a beginning and then there's an end. Well, then you kind of need to know where you're at in that race, right? You need to know kind of what effort we need to have and how we should see the finish line before us. And Jesus, you know, he said in, uh, in and, uh, Matthew 14, or I'm sorry, yeah, Matthew 14, 24, I'm sorry, Matthew 24, 14, um, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached and all the world is a witness among every nation, and then the end shall come. So that end would then represent our finish line. And so about 30 years ago, we, we found um, that they, by estimates, there were about 14,000 unreached people groups. And um, out of the 17,000, 14,000. Well, in three decades, 30 years what we found now is that those unreached people groups, 14,000, has been cut in half to 7,000. So you know what's happening is the words of Jesus are being fulfilled. This gospel of the kingdom is being preached to more nations and more nations and more nations, but it will be all nations. And so if that's the heart of God and Jesus, he said, go. Go into all the world and preach to every nation. Not everybody is a goer, but everybody is, who is in the body of Christ needs to be a part of going. That means if you're not a goer, you could be a sender. You can be a prayer. Amen? And as you do your part, God's going to do his part, and then the work is going to get done. Amen? Yeah. Amen? And so uh, we can see that there is a progress that's taking place. And, you know, there's um, a lot of things that are going on in the world today. And there can be some gloomy things. And politically, you know, we may not have a, a very good outlook on the way things are turning out in some ways. But you know what? There is a timeline that, that is going on in the kingdom of God. And it is, supersedes anything that the devil would try to do in this world. Amen? And uh, we know that uh, those who will go, those who are, are believers, there's going to be signs following these people. The presence of God, the anointing of God is going to be with them. Jesus said, behold, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. 
He's not going to leave us. That means that it doesn't matter what we're facing today. We, if we're hooked up with his plan and his purpose, we're going to be victorious. Amen? And even though the enemy may think he's going to get an upper hand on some things, it doesn't matter. Jesus is Lord. Amen? And his plan and purpose will prevail. The victory that overcomes this world is our faith in Christ. Amen? And so... Um, what your part is, your part is being everything you can as a believer in Christ to follow the call that God has on your life. Do you know religion has separated uh, the clergy from the laity? Yeah. We were just in a Catholic church yesterday for a wedding, and um, you have the priest, and he does things that no one else does, and they don't even think about doing. Um, you know, and praying and all, and all the, the stuff. And we didn't know, you know, we, Sue and I, we didn't know what we were doing, you know. And, you know, I'm not wanting to knock, uh, you know, the faith that some people may have that is connected with Catholicism. I believe there's people that believe in Christ. It's, but as a whole, the idea that religion is, is this uh, idea that, there's only a few people that can connect with God and everybody else is down here. And that is not right. Amen. And um, Jesus said, whoever believes will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Amen. And so, um, you know, we were, we were in this wedding. Oh, man, Sue and I messed up. I know, I knew we were going to mess up something. So... Um, you know, there's all of this, you know, they're repeating. How many of you have been Catholic? Or are you are Catholic? Okay. So I'm not knocking, but we just didn't know, okay? We just didn't know that they say something and you're supposed to say something. And, you know, and you, and you need to bow and, and at certain times. And so we just didn't know that. So, and, uh, so, um, so now the wedding party is leaving. Well, the priest... He's a big fella too, wasn't he? He was a pretty good size. So he gets in and he looks, he looks here and we're sitting and um, everybody's leaving and uh, we weren't part of the wedding party, but he kind of looked at us and went like this. And so he was talking to Jane, but we thought he was talking to us. And so we get in the aisle and we walk out. Well, we're the only ones that weren't in the wedding party that was walking out. And as we were walking, we looked back and we we're like, oh, man, you know, we messed up. And uh, that, that priest just laughed at us. But I, I told Sue, I said, I knew we were going to mess it up somehow. But hopefully nobody really noticed that. But, um, you know, you are called to be a witness. And... Um, Thank God that there is a church, there is a religious church, but thank God for the real church, amen? And a religious church has brought about this separation of the clergy and the laity. Um, it, it makes this idea that the average Christian cannot be involved in ministry. What a lie. God has a plan for every part. If you're a new creation in Christ, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Amen? You are as important as any pastor, yes. right. as any evangelist. You, you are important. Yes. And you can be used to shake the world, yeah. turn it upside down, to reach your family. The significance that you carry, I think the enemy is terrified of. He yeah. does not want you to step into it. Yeah. We're talking about reaching the world, but I want to talk to you today. Cedar Park, um, what is this, Liberty Hill, this whole area. And believers, I believe that we're going to see a move of God where the revelation of what one believer carries in them, the power of God that it will shake people's neighborhoods, their families, regions, amen? Yes. 
the, the revival. We call it a revival, but you know, it's just the plan of God yeah. manifesting in your life. And it begins with you. Yeah. You know, it doesn't begin in church. It doesn't begin with the, it, with the pastor, even though it does need to be carried by a pastor. It begins with you. Yeah. You know, sometimes we go, man, our, our world is so, we're in such bad situation. And you know what? You can't blame anybody but yourself as a believer. Amen? So if we're going to reach the world, it's going to begin with you. It's not going to begin with Scott and Sue. Amen? It's going to begin with you. God's got a plan for your life. Amen? The last words that Jesus spoke to the disciples, they were with him, and, and those are important words, right? The last things that are spoken before he ascends and he watches them. They all watch him ascend up into heaven. Those words can be found in Acts, the first chapter. Acts 1.8, he said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you will be witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. witnesses. Unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the, the world. And he gives these targets, not in a progressive order or order of importance. What he does is he gives this in that wherever you go, whatever you, whatever, wherever you will be, you will be a witness. Yeah. Not excluded to one. Amen? And for those who are local, you can still be a witness to the uttermost part of the world by being a part of a church yeah. that is touching the world. Amen? And so here he says, a witness, a witness. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be a witness. Not you will do witnessing. There's some people that do witnessing, but it's another thing to be a witness. There's false witnesses. You don't want a false witness in a court, right? giving a false testimony. You, you want the real deal, right? You want somebody that's going to say, this is what I saw, this is what I've experienced, this is what I heard, and this is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, right? And, and he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's not just for a religious experience, not just to make you feel good, not just to have you run around, not to just give you goosebumps, but to make you a witness of God's happenings. Amen. amen. How many of you seen, have seen God heal? You're a witness, amen. How many of you have been delivered from something? You're a witness, amen. How many of you have seen deliverance in, in areas of, of somebody's life, your life? You're a witness, amen. How many of you have seen miracles? You seen miracles? You're a witness, amen? There's some churches that, you know, they don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hasn't come upon them and they will flat out believe that God could work in the world today like that, right? Well, they're not a witness. What are they gonna witness? Just their religion, right? We don't want that. We don't want a Christianity that is just, that falls in line with all the other religions of the world that is dead. No, we want to be a witness. And that's what Jesus wants. That's his heart. He goes, listen, you get close to me, I'll anoint you. I'm going to reveal myself to you. And sometimes a witness just at the peace of God is just as much of a miracle as seeing somebody get up out of a wheelchair. Amen. Amen. He wants to show himself to you, and he doesn't have to prove it through signs, wonders, and miracles, but he does give it does give him pleasure. Yeah. Amen. 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 So he says this: "You will be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth." Now, the the you know the deal with this is that. There's not, you don't go to Bible school or get a, a you know, a, um, 
you know, credentials for this. You just get in the presence of God and you got it. Amen. Amen. So every believer is called to be a witness. I want to give you a key about how you can be a witness. Do you know that ministry, no matter who you are, the quality of that ministry is based on one thing. And that one thing is this. Ministry needs to be an overflow of a life lived in love with Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Do you really love him? That you've laid your life down. That you've turned your back on things in this world to follow him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I command. Sometimes love is not, you know, think, well, it's about me lifting my hands or lifting my voice. No, it's how you live your life. It's the decisions that you make that determine if you're loving Jesus. You want to see somebody that loves Jesus? They're being obedient to him. And I would say this, true ministry, being a witness and and ministering to people, ministering the gospel. Listen, I, I believe this. Every one of you here today could lead somebody to Jesus. And it's not how eloquent or how sharp you are. It's by your life. It's by you being in love with Jesus. Think about this. I'm going to grab a couple of bottles here. So, you know, we're like containers. You know, this container, you can see there's water in it. But um, people don't see that we have Christ in us by just looking at us. I mean, they could see that we're got life in our eyes or that kind of thing. And, but you know, it's not that that brings salvation. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings salvation. And in other words, it needs to be spoken. We go over to other countries and, you know, it, it's not us showing up and going, hey, we're Christians. And No, somehow, some way, the gospel needs to be spoken out of our mouth. The good news. Well, somebody says, well, I'll just be a friend to the sinner. Well, they'll go to hell. It is only the gospel that will transform somebody's life, that will save somebody. Amen? And so the apostle Paul said it like this in Romans, the first chapter. You know, in the 16th verse, he said this. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So he would just share the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. And God's plan for salvation. Amen. Enough for somebody to go, I believe on Jesus. I believe he did that for me. There's Nepalis who heard the gospel on, uh, from, a, from a Hindu. From a Hindu. They declared accurately the gospel and they went, I believe that. It wasn't even from a Christian, but it was the gospel. So the apostle Paul said this. He goes, you don't even have to be It's not even about the vessel. It's about what's in the vessel. The gospel that changes. Amen? We were in in, uh, the eastern part of Nepal. Um, It's a a Hindu um, pilgrimage. They've got this big temple, and it's dark spiritually there. So we were there, and we did a medical camp. People were getting saved, and all of a sudden we were... Um, coming back from a long day of ministry, it was dark. We're in this bus going down, and they turn on the radio. What's, why do they have that radio on? And there are people shouting on this radio. And, um, you know, it was our driver. And uh, we're like, man, why, why didn't you just turn that thing off? And, and then they started letting us know these were Hindus that knew we were there. 
It was a big area, lots of people. But they knew that we were out in this village, in this area, sharing, sharing the gospel with this medical camp. And they said, you could tell these people were angry. They were so angry. And we, they're saying, they know our names. They went to the hotel. They got our, 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 on the register our passports, our numbers, and they got our names, and they, you know, and, and these, you know, there's an anti-conversion law. If they could bring an accusation and something, you know, somebody come up and say something, they'd have the right to take us and put us in, into jail. And so we're looking at this, and we're like, wow, this is, this is, kind of, it kind of brought a, we're kind of solemn, you know, we're like, ooh, uh, this is, you know, and so we're bumping down the road in the dark, and this guy's yelling, and and um, so we get back to the hotel, and we're just all kind of just, you know, kind of what are we going to do, and looking around, and and uh, we kind of go in and sit down, and and uh, talk to our our Nepali hosts and guys that are with us, and and they said, well, should we get all these guys in a van and let's just get out of here at night? And uh, one of them said, no, let's, let's just pray. And we prayed. And then we went to bed. Got up the next morning and still kind of, mm, we're wondering what to do. And uh, so, so then uh, we get together and um, they said, well, uh, one of them was our, our doctor, Dr. Bruce Gross. And he said, Doc, uh, our, Nepali goes, our Nepali guy said, Dr. Bruce, are you ready to go to jail for preaching the gospel. And um, Dr. Bruce, he's funny. He's an older doctor from the U.S., from Colorado. He goes, today? <laughs> it's like, that's not in the plans, really. Maybe not today. And so um, we laughed. It kind of broke things up. You know, we were like, ah. And uh, he goes, listen, we'll be all right. And we changed our strategy, and we kind of went into more of a place where we could do, have more freedom to do it, kept, kept going. And um, so then what we didn't realize in that, in that radio um, time, that there was a lot of discourse going on. This is what they are. These Christians are locking people in a room, and they're making them become Christians. And there is all this stuff and, you know, and, and all these, this fear that was, they were peddling. And then, uh, you know, Hindus are really, like, they really um, like to think of themselves as being very intellectual. And so this one uh, Hindu calls in, he goes, no, 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 let me tell you something. This is what Christians believe. And he accurately shared about Jesus, salvation. And he's a Hindu. And so we're like, well, okay. But this Nepali, he said, no. This radio station covered an area that would touch almost a half a million people. Wow. And this Hindu preached the gospel on that radio station. Wow. We know Nepalis that heard, heard it from, you know, from... Hindus like that read it in a book, and they're born again today. So what? here we were reaching several hundred people, but God had a plan to get the gospel to half a million people. Amen? People who would hear. So we don't know what has happened in that situation, but we have an expectation at the gospel. Amen? So true ministry, you know, the fact is we can get pretty dry in our relationship with God. We can get kind of dry when it comes to our passion for the word, spending time in prayer. And you know what it does? It makes us pretty cold to the world. And so, you know, we get, we're like this vessel and we can just get empty, you know, as you kind of sip on that. But we need to be refilled, right? So true ministry is an overflow of a life lived in love with Jesus. And what that means is that we need to be filled. 
And we could call that being filled with the Spirit. Sometimes that can get kind of fuzzy, like that means you pray in the Spirit more. But I believe this, if you're filled with the Spirit, it means that you love Him. Amen? And the thing is, is when you're empty, you can bump into people and they won't even know that you're a Christian, right? They can bump in you and nothing comes out of that life that we have. But when we are filled up, and you know, I'm going to get the floor wet a little bit because that's an overflow. You see it? It's overflowing. Sorry about that. It needs to keep overflowing. You know what? This is true ministry. This is true ministry. An overflow of a life lived in love with Jesus. Amen? And it is from this place that we are a witness. Amen? And then no matter where you go, you're a witness. He can take you all over the world. And what will you be? You'll be a witness. Who are you? You are someone in love with Jesus. And your ministry is an overflow of a life lived in love with Jesus. Now, the thing about, you know, some people have this idea that your family is the hardest people to to win to Jesus. Not if this is happening. Everybody's family can be your fruit of ministry. Nothing is too difficult for for God. Amen? Amen? So, you're to be a witness in Jerusalem, right here. Liberty Hill, Cedar Park, Austin, Texas. You're to be a witness. Amen? Amen. Have some scriptures ready. Be conversational. Look at somebody's life and care for them. They might have just stepped in front of you in the line or something. But they could be somebody you could just lead to Jesus right now if you just started talking to them. I like to talk to people. Don't just talk to them. Begin to be a witness. Bring them an understanding that you know God and he's touched your life. Amen? Amen. Bring it to a place where you would say, is there any reason you wouldn't want to accept Jesus? We've seen uh, people in in other countries who have come to Christ not through a church uh, service, not through mass evangelism. In fact, I just want to share this with you real quick. Do you know that according to a recent survey, four to six percent of people in churches today are there because of the pastor? Only four to six percent. That means that a church of 200 people will have between 8 and 12 people there as a direct result of the pastor. So, you know, you don't have to be a super pastor to have a growing church. Amen? 4 to 7% of people in church in America are there because of a Sunday school program. So that must be kind of more denominational or whatever. Um, Only 1% of people are there because of a church visitation. You know, that's where a stranger knocks on your door. And you're like, you open the door and you go, who are you? Oh, I'm this guy from this church. So only 1%. Um, Mass evangelism brings in one-tenth of 1% of people. You know, we put a lot into that and we need to because that's such a great, function, even though it doesn't have that much of a return, we need to be involved in mass evangelism. Um, Even with the small numbers, oh, let's see, the same survey revealed that 70 to 90% of people in church today are there because of the personal testimony of a relative or a friend. 
70 to 90% are there because of you. And the gospel on your lips. The power of God that's on your lips. Amen. We want the gospel to spread to all throughout the, the whole world. But you know what? It begins right out this door. Amen. Amen. It begins with you. So I just wish my pastor would preach better. Wish they just had more. Well, what about you? Are you in love with Jesus? Right? Are you overflowing uh, in a love with Jesus? How many people have you brought to church? How many have you been sharing? Where's your family? Have you been telling them? Have you been sharing the gospel? I got to share the gospel just yesterday at this wedding. It's a Catholic guy there sitting across from me. And he loved Jesus. But I made a point that you could, I just brought in the gospel. And there it was. He's got it. And you know what? I don't have to help the gospel. I just proclaim it. I don't have to explain it. I proclaim it because the power is in the proclamation of the gospel. Amen? So guess what? You're a missionary. You're a minister. And we're all on the same plane. We might be doing something different. You might be working. And there's people that you're going to meet that um, may never darken the doors of these, this church. But they'll listen to you. They wouldn't listen to Pastor Steve if it was just hit their choice. But you got a voice. You could say it. You could get the gospel in. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We used to sing this song, I will follow where he leads, leadeth. I will pasture where he feedeth. I will follow all the way, Lord. I will follow Jesus Every day. I think of songs of commitment and consecration. It's not what he wants from you. It's what you're willing to allow him to fill you with. And that makes all the difference. Amen. How many of you would say, you know what? I want that feeling. I want to overflow. Amen? Maybe you've been a little dry. Maybe you've allowed yourself to get a little cold and complacent. How many of you would like to have just a refilling right now? It doesn't take a long time. Amen? If you agree with me, why don't we just put both hands in the air like this? This is a funnel. You know, and as I was pouring that water into that bottle, just imagine right now the Holy Spirit filling you overflowing you right now thank you Jesus